I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. It's the Wocast back in your lives. I'm Michael Morgan, and alongside me, as usual, is the hostess with the mostess. It's G. What's going on, G? What up? What's going on, Mike? Happy Easter, first and foremost. Yeah, happy Easter to you too. And I was telling you off mic that I've literally just finished consuming Easter lunch stroke dinner and um had half a glass of wine i'm telling you the glass of wine was kicking it but i didn't have the whole one because obviously i wanted to be compensamentous for when we record but man i'm going back for some seconds and probably third of that wine and um yeah i'm i'm in the you easter were, spirit you, you a lightweight mike when it come to wine massively you lightweight to be, when it you comes about to be drizzy over two cups <laughs> Yeah, over two I, I'll probably be drunk over like one. Seriously, I'm seriously lightweight. When it comes to spirits, when it comes to beer, when it comes to wine, all of them can mash me up. No worries at all. You could probably drink me under the table with, you know, half a cup. Seriously. No, I, we would probably both be drunk under the table. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> really? You know who's I, could out, I could outsmoke you or out eat you, you know, with edibles. But oh, like alcohol... Brother, please, I'd be under the table with you over a half a glass of table, like, I'd be fucked up. Mm -mm. (laughs) I don't know, I I had you down as, like, really high tolerance, because in my mind, when you were back in the day off duty, I had you chugging down the beers with the boys and the girls and just... Oh, I was doing that, yeah, yeah. I was, but those days are long gone, so (laughs) I'm I'm back to being a lightweight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, well you know something, speaking of lightweights, um, that kind of like neatly segues into um, last weekend's or this past weekend's action at Bellator MMA 255 and um, we're going to take a really quick canter through the forthcoming UFC card. We're no longer looking at uh, Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till, it's now Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Holland but circling back to Bellator 255. I'm going to be real and I'm going to say from Mm -hmm. the outset if anybody is going to get upset, offended or feel as though they are being um, disrespected because of what we have to say about um, Bellator 255 you're definitely in the wrong place. We do actually present things straight no chaser. We're not beholden onto any promotion or any promoter or any manager or any fighter. We just say things as we see it so there's your warming warning even so starting off with the prelims i'm not gonna lie i'm I'm gonna be real with you these prelims when they started out they sucked talk about one-sided matchups talk about the fact that this looked as though it was a horror show i like the way that you actually build it on twitter it looked as though someone from mma twitter had actually put on some blue Bellator gloves and decided that he was going to go in there and just, you know, try and win the bet that he'd lost because it looked to me that there was some real kind of like hokey pokey people just rocking up there. Oh, absolutely, Mike. I mean, Trevor um, Gudd versus Roman Feraldo. I mean, that if for the um, folk mullet talking about it's the guy with who went out there and <laughs> just got beat up from start to finish and it was just yeah. such an obvious mismatch and it wasn't just a mismatch Trevor needs to be on the regional scene you can tell he knows how to throw a punch maybe but we didn't see that because he got beat up so bad so I'm saying maybe he knows how to throw a punch but what I did notice Mike is that he doesn't know how to defend himself in any way shape or form and it showed <laughs> my god Mike. you know you are being kind. I am. Far too kind. I am. Roman Feraldo um, defeated Trevor Good uh, via TKA punches. But let's just scrap back to the beginning and then the middle. You know, Feraldo was clearly the superior fighter. I mean, he smashed Goody three times, literally smashed him to the canvas three times. But the thing that really 
worried me is that Trevor Good thought it was a, a, a great idea to defend with his chin. I mean, yes. talk about leading with your face and defending with your eyes and your cheeks and your lips. Man, it was horrible. The ref was right to actually wave it off after yeah, the third he, knockdown. It was like, it yeah, was horrible. Yeah, because he had he just kept getting pummeled so quickly. I mean, the bell rang and he mm. was on the floor. And then he got back up. He was back on the floor. <laughs> he got back up. He was back on the floor. The ref was like, enough, enough, enough. Mm. And not for nothing, Mike, it wasn't the only mismatch that we saw in the prelims. I mean, look at Jordan Newman and, and Branko um, Busick. Jordan put on a phenomenal performance, Mike. I mean, it was just a well-rounded, mm. he changed levels, he controlled him on the feet, and he just beat the shit out of him. But again, another mismatch. And I know, One-sided. yeah. Yep. And then on top of it, why was Magomed Magomedov um, on the prelims? Man, this guy's a shark. In fact, I was like, why aren't you in the UFC? But no problem. I watch you in Bellator. <laughs> like, well-rounded Dagestani fighter. He's got hands. He's got wrestling, mm. and he knows just what to do. And he murdered C.J. Hamilton. I saw nothing offensively from C.J. Hamilton. He didn't even get to showcase his own damn skills because Magomed controlled him. Exactly. And, you know, talking about showcasing his own skills, I I think, um, just sticking with the theme of mismatches, Mm -hmm. I thought that this was going to be a mismatch when Roger Herta... um, basically took on Chris Gonzalez. Now, Roger Herta, let's just, uh, you know, give, give him his due. He is a UFC vet. He is somebody who has been held in really high regard in his past life as a, you know, a, a, a UFC um, competitor. But since leaving the UFC, I mean, things have actually gone downhill. And what I thought would be a mismatch in that he's, he came into that fight, um, what, 24 and 13, against Chris Gonzalez, who was, I think he was uh, unbeaten yeah, anyway. He was 6-0, he was 5-0 oh, oh before fighting five, Roger. Yeah, undefeated. Yeah, to come in there and, and, and to see, you know, Roger Herter kind of like submit to strikes, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I honestly thought it was going to be a one-sided beatdown considering the record of, of Roger and considering, you know, albeit on paper, Gonzalez looked unbeaten looked unbeatable but that i have to say it, it it made me feel quite teary about roger it made me feel as though he's just turning up these days for a paycheck because shut up mike i was right, just gonna awful. say that yes <laughs> but, but but it's true yeah. again again the disclaimer has been read so i hope anybody who's offended now um has actually come in at this juncture and didn't hear me at the top of the show look Roger Herter, Roger Herter, he does look as though he is turning up just to actually put gas in his car. And it looked horrible because, you know, having come from that legendary sort of like status, come from that kind of like, um, I suppose people looked to him as, you know, a decent fighter. Yeah. And to see him go out like that. It made me feel as though he was just turning up for the check. Yeah, it broke my heart because uh, on the low, I'm a huge Roger Huerta fan, regardless of you know his mm. his um his record. He's just nostalgic to me, Mike. When I see Roger, he reminds yeah. me of the time when I used to flip between like I believe he fought in Bellator too. Like he's been all over the place. I believe. Don't hold me to it. I haven't pulled that up, but I remember watching Roger just in different organizations and in the past in Bellator, I believe and. I just really, really like him. So it broke my heart to see him get kind of demolished. And not only that, he's like a Mexican warrior. He's no different from any Mexican out there. So to see him tap to strikes really led me to believe that, you know, he got his paycheck. He was getting his ass kicked and there was nothing he could do about it. So he tapped. And I'm not really mad at him that he tapped. I didn't really want to see anymore. He was getting outclassed. He was, you know, he had a moment or two with striking, but nothing that wobbled Chris. And Chris just controlled him the whole fight. So I was uh, dismayed, you know, with this performance. But oddly enough, I was happy to see him because I love Roger. But I don't know if I want to see him keep fighting. You know, it, it, it seems as though our nostalgic look at Roger Herter is, is somewhat like, crystal clear in terms of clarity of how we've seen him you know the last time that he was in the UFC do you remember when that was Mm-mm. 2009 man I'm getting old shit 
Well, me and you yeah. both, because since leaving that promotion now, I mean, he's fought for Bellator, as you rightly say, before. He's fought for one championship. Right, he's, he's been fought all for over. Phoenix yeah. uh, fighting championships. Exactly. But he's been all over losing, like some kind of... Do you remember... Um, <laughs> again, I don't want to really show my age here, but this is a fact. Do you remember Kung Fu, the old TV series where Kwai Jung Kane used to go from town to town and beat the shit out of people? <laughs> He's the opposite of Kwai Jung right. Kane. He has gone from promotion to promotion and has been like beaten from pillar to post. I think in the last, I think, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I think in the last 10 fights, he's won three times. And in the last four fights, He's lost all of them. So it's not looking good for Roger. And like I say, it, it, it kind of like underpins and kind of like nails to a mast what I was saying about him basically just turning up for that paycheck. Yeah. I mean, like I say, look, 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 respect where it's due. I know it's really hard, obviously, to um, come back from a loss, but to go from loss to loss to loss to loss to loss, it's like, wow. It's like a Bro, like, what the fuck? is your mind yeah. in, in this? <laughs> yeah. But he might but Mike, we've talked about this on the Wokecast on so many occasions. We don't know these people and they might literally mm. need a paycheck. True. Uh, Mike, I cannot True. retire at the age of forty five. I just didn't set myself up like yeah. that. So I can only imagine that if my career was over at forty five, I'd be pushing it too and trying to stay in my career and scramble to make more money. And I can honestly, I can honestly understand that. It's just unfortunate because this is, they're not in the same business as me. I don't get hit in the head a lot and it's not dangerous to keep Mm. trying to Mm. fight ageism and and stay in a career. You know what I mean? Like them. So it's really heartbreaking. But Mike, I would like to say this, that anyone who Mm. watched the Bellator prelims, y'all need to be uh, mindful of a a young man named Mandel um, Nalo. He fought Ricardo Sexus from, I don't, Sebas from Brazil. Thank you for saving me there because I was about to butcher his name. So (laughs) all I saw was uh, Nalo be calm, cool, composed. And yes, another mismatch. Mm. I'm sorry. It really was because Ricardo had nothing for Mandel. But the way in which he dispatched him was beautiful from the jabs to the, I mean, to a short Superman punch in such small distance was just so beautiful, which really dropped him. And he just kind of picked him apart beautifully. And I don't think he missed Nalo one punch either in in the process of doing this so yeah yeah go back and watch that fight and not only not watch that fight remember the name i have a feeling he's going to be promising in bellator i like this guy i like what i saw well i'm duly noting everything that you're saying about uh mandel nalo because you've got an eye for people to keep an eye on you've got an eye for up-and-coming talent and especially on the prelims and like i say i gave this prelims the absolute side eye but yeah. I had to eat crow because when we got to the main card mm-hmm. damn every single one of these was compelling enthralling it had me hooked I was like yes we've arrived we are here mm-hmm. um, can I uh, want to Nabi she came in with like massive buzz massive applause massive eyes on her because of her past career and Alejandra Lara I have to say she looked really decent put up against her and we saw a lot of what I feel um, is going to be a key feature of Wantanabe's career in Bellator a lot of judo throws a lot of top game a lot of control she yes. looked powerful and she was very very imposing yeah and I think um kind of fights to her strengths, which is dangerous and very intelligent. You know, she knows that she is a judo specialist and that's what she used to get this Mm. win because um, Alejandra came out throwing. When the bell rang, she came forward because that's her style, Mike. She comes straight at you. She's aggressive. And Mm. what I love about her, Mike, is that she comes out like this little angel. Before the fight, she came out to her Spanish music. She's all smiley. She's all (laughs) feminine. She's, you know, she's... I love the walkout. I love the walkout. The walkout. It made me like, oh, she's Mm. a girly girl. And then suddenly everything changed the bell rang and she turned into a fucking savage and she went straight after kana but she got a little too excited because kana was like oh word i can feel your strength and power but you're getting a little too excited i'm gonna throw you to the ground and that's when kana was like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna keep you here and use my judo and throw you around but when alejandra did land it made kind of respect her and remind herself i need to take this to the ground so long story short kind of was the obvious winner with her grappling and control and judo but there's a lot of potential still in lara 
that we can see. And there's no harm in this loss. Both women, Lara's going to bounce back from this. And Kana yeah. just knows that judo is what's up here. And she's going to fight to her strength. She's going to continue to do that. 100%. Yeah. I love the cage walk. I love the salsa. Now, to, to have the kind of like presence of mind to remember salsa moves as you're actually walking mm -hmm. out to the cage, looking so calm as she did, now that deserves props. It was a thing of beauty. You know, Absolutely. maybe rain, rain me in here. I thought it was fairly evening in the opening stanzas, even though, like you say, Lara came out um, like a, a bat out of hell. And she spent like most of um doing her work anyway on her back and i, I think you know she was able to work quite nicely there because if you notice she caught wantanabia quite a few times from the bottom i mean she was smashing her with that elbow and she you know it wasn't just once it was at least twice that she was able to do that from bottom but wantanabia was clearly the busier fighter landing more significant and pretty heavy Absolutely. hits as well and heavy strikes Absolutely, Absolutely. brilliant. I, I loved that because the legend of Wantanabe was kind of like realized. It was like, yeah, th this, this girl's going to be a problem. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But moving on, Usman Namegamadov and Mike Hamill. I mean, talk about a striking clinic. And the herky-jerky style of um, Mike uh, Hamill, it did remind me of... Um, Another herky jerky uh, man based in 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 the uh, in the UFC, but not with as much kind of like poise. It it looked as though he was trying to set him off uh, or to get him off his his rhythm. But Usman wasn't having a bar of it, and those kicks, those punches, those angles were coming left, right, and centre. It was absolutely brilliant to behold. Plus, coming in off the back of being, you know, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's cousin, he had a lot to live up to. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mike, to me, um, Usman's performance is like the breakout performance of the night. I think he's the guy yeah. that showed up and like, I don't know about, you know, everybody else. I, you know, I, I knew about him. I knew he was like Khabib's cousin. I know he comes from that part of the world, but I don't really know much about him. But what he did was mm. show me that I need to pay attention. I mean, I was so impressed with um, a Dagestani fighter that has the wherewithal to strike like this. We haven't seen, like, someone with this dynamic type of striking from Dagestan, except, like, who, maybe Ankalov, maybe? You know, like, we really know them for, like, their strike, like, their wrestling and grappling. And yeah. Usman was like, nah, I'm the guy that actually... I worked on my striking <laughs> in Dagestan and my wrestling. Yeah, and my wrestling, so... Saying that... Wow. There was the constant threat of the takedown, and he was using that yeah. beautifully, threatening it, and then bam, yeah. slapping him straight into the ribs. And we're talking like hard strikes. I loved seeing. I that. mean, I absolutely loved. Mike, it. in the first round, I I think like in the first minute of the first round, we were already privy to like mm. spinning back kicks. Um, yep. Uh, a question mark kick. I mean, in the first round, in the first minute, he was mm. throwing out everything yep. in the kitchen sink. And it was remarkable no to doubt. see. And he was landing, too. Like, the, by the end of the fight, yeah. Mike's face was mush and his was not. Like 76 to 35 yes. strikes. And then, the, and then the threat of the takedown was there. And then when Mike did eventually get some takedowns against Usman, what did you see happen? Him get up right away. And not only that. Yeah, Yeah, and then he was, you know what I liked about him? He was defensively sound. Like, he knew when to put one knee down so he wouldn't get kneed. He knew mm -hmm. when to put his knee back up yep. to, to break um, yep. the hands. When, the hands were, when Mike's hands were around his wrist, he knew to bring his knee back up, break the hands, turn around, and get Get mm -hmm. out of the clinch it was remarkable and then every time mike mm. tried to come inside to do that he punished him with just this beautiful elusive um striking and then he was never in the same place for him to be hit he was he had the wherewithal to slip out of mike's punches or to just fucking move so while he was like the boxing him up he was out yeah. of there and had the footwork to do it it was a remarkable performance and it really has me like why didn't the ufc mm -hmm. pick up this guy but fuck it he's here in bellator and i'm here to watch him he's gonna this uh division needs to be on notice with this performance he's a problem point 100 you're not speaking out of turn yeah. i mean i can imagine i can imagine the eyes that he now has on him he looked absolutely formidable you know speaking of eyes on him um, someone who I should have been paying closer attention to at the Wayans was Terrell Fortune because apparently the beef that started there spilled over into the cage. Now, Fortune had to deal with um, 
had to deal with uh, Mergiliotta. Um, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much store by this, but he let 50 shots go un- unanswered by Terrell Fortune when he actually um, got him down to the ground, got Jack May down to the ground. It was just basically pummeling on his face. I was wondering, did Fortune actually give, like... Uh, um, Mergliotta the wink and the nod to say look just don't jump in no matter what happens until after 50 shots have been let go because it was like a barrage of shots over and over and over again and then you know after all of that you know <laughs> Mergliotta steps in and Terrell's still going at him yeah talk shit now brother talk shit now and I had to go back and actually see what went on at the um, the weighing because I didn't get the reference. I didn't get what was actually going on there, and it was like, wow, my god! I personally thought that was that that, that was too many shots, too many unanswered shots. Um, Mike, I when I was watching the fight in the middle of him bringing down those shots, I had time to tweet. Yeah. I had time to tweet like, does the ref know he can stop the fight? Like. <laughs> I, I was at a point at home, like, I don't think he knows he can intervene. Like, I think he's maybe forgotten that the fight stops with him. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a barrage of punches that were unnecessary. But if we ask Terrell, he's probably really happy that Dan didn't stop the fight. Because apparently, yeah. apparently, Jack went into Terrell's um DMs and thought it was a good idea to promote the fight privately and say horrible things about him. <laughs> and then on top of it, Jack talked more shit backstage at the weigh-ins. So mm-hmm. Terrell thought it was yeah. a really good idea to come out there and pummel him. And then on top of it, he got, you know, from the grace of God that night, he was able to get some extra punches in because, you know, Dan forgot that he could stop the fight. So Terrell's really happy <laughs> about that. And nonetheless, it was a good performance. I like the fact that Jack May thought that being 6'8 and bigger than him was going to be a factor because when the bell rang Jack May literally walked towards Terrell and tried to bully him it was really funny and the smaller fighter was not afraid of him and his size and went for the single leg I'm not gonna lie down and beat the shit out of him I loved it it was when I saw the size discrepancy and the disparity I thought fortune you're you're out of luck yeah and I think it was gonna be turns I really did no, Mike, Jack, I watched the fight twice, actually, because I was so entertained by this little fight because it was so brief. And actually, yeah. this is what I like when heavyweights get together. I don't want to see you gas in the mm. third or fifth round because y'all are too tough to knock each other out. I want to see the first round slobber knocker KO or what we saw because heavyweights gas and they kind of suck and lack technique. So thank you, Terrell, for going out there and smoking Jack very quickly. However, I really think Jack thought size mattered here because if you watch the fight, he really does walk towards him like yeah I'm bigger than you like you could see it in his body language and Terrell was like you're bigger than me but I'm the better wrestler and he went for a single leg and didn't let him get up from there and beat the living shit out of him and it was on some like what's that uh old parody or tale um Goliath and somebody what's it called Mike I can't even remember David and Goliath Terrell was the smaller guy he was David and he beat up Goliath and Goliath Jack May really thought he had something on him and got the shit beaten out of him and I'm kind of glad if if, if he was in his um, DMs being a jerk trying to promote the fight and also like he was trying to get in his head whenever someone creeps in your DMs and you're fighting this guy he's trying to fuck with you so he got what was coming Mm -hmm. I guess he won't do that again if they ever rematch or maybe he'll tone it down for his next fight and Jack's 11 and uh 11 and 7 when he fought Terrell maybe he should just focus on fighting and not the the mental game because that record's not too impressive yeah exactly exactly moving on Jason Jackson, Jamaica's own Jason Jackson uh, versus Naaman Gracie. What did you think of this? I agree with the commentators. Uh, Big John said this fight was weird. He said it 50 times, but I did agree with him. Um, The fight was strange. When uh, Jason got his face grated on the cage, I wanted to die. I've never seen anything like that before, and it bothered me. And I know. And poked in his other eye. Yes, and I know, Mike, when his face was grated like cheese against that cage, I know it hurt. Mm. I know that was utterly unexpected and painful. And for him to be able to keep going on and to win the fight was great. But here's the issue I had with the fight. I think, like, um, Mm. 
Neiman is such a threat with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu that Jackson was not able to be as explosive as he could normally be. And especially when the fight went to the ground, if you notice, he spent so much time making sure he wasn't submitted and trying to beat Neiman to a better position and just to make sure that he was safe, that he would forget to kind of land blows sometimes when it was time to like hit him with a short elbow. It was just, he was so enthralled with like the jiu-jitsu defense that his corner literally had to be like, hit him, hit him. <laughs> and then... Neiman, I think, was making little mistakes in the jiu-jitsu area, but I'm not too sure because I don't do jiu-jitsu, but it seemed like his corner was really pissed at him. So it was a really odd yeah. fight to me, but I did think Jason Jackson won. I did not think Neiman won, but what did you think of the fight, Mike? And that's why I was uh, quite, I, mm. I was worried by what John McCarthy said that, you know, um, Basically, just before they read out the decision, um, John McCarthy said something along the lines of, yeah, um, in my opinion, name Gracie definitely, and he used the word definitive, um, definitely has this. And I was like, did we watch the same fight? Because what I saw was Jackson reversing a Gracie and reversing me him too. quite a few times. Not only reversing him, taking him to the ground <laughs> like he was me, some Mike. kind of show. Yeah. Now, bless Thank you, the, the way that I look at it, this isn't something that you do to a Gracie once, but over and over and over again, actually dominating him in the scrambles, dominating him in the yeah. sweeps, taking, <clears throat> excuse me, taking him down. Nah, yeah. I didn't feel that Gracie's jits had anything for Jason Jackson's so defense. I. And yeah. the, 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 the way that I looked at this, I could hear the frustration. I could me hear too. the anger of um god who was in his corner uh, Enzo Gracie, Gracie. yeah, yeah I, I could I could I could hear him oh I could I could feel the anger from him screaming it's like this guy's got nothing for you why are you being punked here Mike it wasn't even just Renzo Gracie I had someone on Twitter I think who rolls in jujitsu and this person was like when Neiman Gracie had uh, Jason Jackson with his back against the cage and, and Neiman was kind of like yeah. on top of him. Why not take out his arm and then scoot out the back? Scoot out the, right, you even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like when you, got, yes. when you got your left shoulder yep. on that guy's face and yep. he's using his hand to kind of try to scoot away from you. You take that hand away and then you bring Standard your leg over him and now you're in mount. And I remember yes. thinking like, yep. I know to do that right now. Like I was at home like Neiman grab his right arm, grab his right hand and then and then go for the mount. <laughs> I don't roll, folks. So I can only imagine somebody that is always rolling and then a Gracie mm. not not seeing that. But I, in my mind I'm t I'm thinking too, he probably sees a submission that I don't see, so he's not going for that. But perhaps that wasn't yeah. the submission to be going for and therefore that's why Renzo was so upset. But I think Neiman was making little mistakes and Jason Jackson was beating him to positions and was defensively sound. It reminds me of the fight, Mike. Remember when Masvidal lost to Damian Maya, but he did a great job of yeah. not getting submitted. Mm -mm. That's what Jason Jackson was doing. He was like the Masvidal, like, you're not submitting me and I'm not going to let you get the better um, positions. And that's why I think he won the fight. And also when he did land one twos and when he was explosive on the feet, he had the more significant and harder shots. So that's yeah, why I thought 100%. he won. Yeah, but Neiman thought he won and so did that camp and they didn't look too happy afterwards. But you should have did a little bit more Neiman it's if you wanted that win. 100%. It's been five years since I last rolled, but those were really, really rookie and, and basic mistakes he I was making. I figured that, that's but I didn't want to say it. I could it. feel yeah. the anger. Yeah. I could feel the anger from his corner because, you know, the way that I looked at it, uh, there, there is no way you can walk around with the name Gracie and be taken down as many times that he was taken mm -hmm. down and reversed. And, you know, the escapes there, like, as I say, th there is no way that should be happening. Now, at the end, uh, he was hella confident, like with his yeah, arms all yeah. raised and like- But yeah, Renzo I, didn't look no, confident. If no. you looked at Renzo, Neiman had his hands up and Renzo looked pissed and also like, you ain't get that win. I saw yeah. it, you ain't get that win. Yeah. And I think maybe Renzo saw what I saw, the mistakes 
and whatnot. And imagine, mm. I don't roll. I haven't rolled maybe in six years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Six or seven. And I only did it like <laughs> once or twice. And I'm seeing mistakes because I'm just a super fan that recognizes repetitive moves. And I've learned from, you know, the, yeah. the po- you know from other podcasts and, and commentary. And I saw a little mistake. So I can't imagine Renzo. And you could hear the, was, you could yeah. hear the animosity in the corner. Even though I don't speak Portuguese, you could yeah. hear the anger. So I have a feeling Neiman made some mistakes out there. So, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna slap, he's gonna get slapped when he gets back to the gym by all the Gracies. They're gonna fly over, especially yeah. Hoist, to uh, give him a good talking to. <laughs> yeah, he, had a, he probably just had an off night. You know what happens? You know, he's, he was off his craft. It looked like yeah. it. Mm. Main event Patricio Pitbull and Emmanuel Sanchez 2. Now, man, what did you make of this? Man, I just, it was just a typical Pitbull performance, and and I love it, because Pitbull demands that you come to him. I even saw in this fight, Pitbull was getting a little bit aggressive and coming forward, and I saw him be like, nah, I'm the champ, you come to me, and he stopped. And he made Emmanuel come to him mm. and make mistakes and countered him. I love the man. He, it, he's another guy that fights to his strengths, whether you like it or not. He hits hard. He knows it, so he hits you hard. He knows his guillotine is probably one of the best in the sport, not just Bellator, in the sport. And he knows that he's supposed to get it early in the first round when people are not sweating and it's hard to get. He knows yeah. what to do. Emmanuel made a mistake coming in. He clobbered him. He hit him so hard, Emmanuel's body was thrown to the ground. He jumps guard, submits him, end the fight, and then he puts him to sleep and tells the referee the man's sleep. I mean, he's a god, man. Come on. He's great. He's great. The composure alone had me like, like this guy is a legend. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm getting excited. Yeah. I, 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 I love the fact that, you know, He's Pitbull by name, but not necessarily Pitbull by, by nature because, you know, with a Pitbull, once they've got you, they're not letting go until you're definitely shredded or, you know, someone's actually having to pull you off. But no, his etiquette was beautiful. That beautiful left floored Sanchez, but following up with that, um, what was that, guillotine choke, yeah? Now, the, the, the way that I look at it is, it's two ways you can you can be when you're actually rolling. You can actually hang on to that and keep on hanging to that until the ref tells you. But no, his etiquette was beautiful. He was telling the ref, look, he's out. He is out. Can you do something, please? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. You, you, mu- you must know yourself. Like I, I, I don't know about you, but I have rolled with people like this who, you know, they get a little bit excited. They get a little bit caught up in the moment and they forget themselves and they hold on too long to a choke. But no, his etiquette was perfect. Yeah, Mike, um, in, in regards to etiquette, I mean, that's what would impress me most because you're yeah. right. I believe when I was listening to like the commentary and then I also watched the preview with um, the Bellator preview with Luke Thomas. It was excellent, by the way. They were saying that when he first started training because he's so little, he was so aggressive and he, they, they nicknamed him Pitbull. But due to all his experience now, he's a Pitbull when he gets on your neck, but he's completely composed until it's time for him to put your fucking lights out. And that's what we saw. His, his, his brilliance always takes place where? In the center yeah. of the cage. He makes all of his opponents meet him there. And whether you go to sleep because of a heavy left cross or a right cross like he did to Emmanuel Sanchez, or he's going to pull that guard when you make a mistake and put you to sleep. And that's what we saw. And that's that veteran experience. Like, he knows what he's he's good at. It's working for him. And you don't fix what's broken, Mike. Ain't nothing wrong with his game plan, his coaching, his his cardio, his nutrition. It's like, he's just, he's perfection right now. And you can't stop this man. Now let's talk AJ McKee and Pitbull, because that's next, Mike. What are your thoughts? Man, I'm I'm sorry. I rate AJ McKee. I do have him as high caliber. I see him as a problem. But, I mean, that performance that we saw on Friday night, that kind of like solidifies why, you know, Pitbull is widely regarded as the number one pound per pound pound in Bellator. He is just ferocious. The guy has levels that he will take you to, which I, I feel as though... You know, AJ McKee will falter. He will try and follow him to those levels, but he just won't attain it. Yeah, I think... I'm worried for him. Yeah, I'm not too worried, but I do think he's going to lose. I hate to say it, because mm. I'm also, like, a fan of AJ McKee. And I will say this. Yeah. The only problem I have with AJ McKee is this. 
He doesn't have the experience, I think, to beat Pitbull. I think we're about to see the best rookie in that division and possibly one of the best prospects in this division in all of MMA. And I I say that Mm. with my motherfucking chest. Out of all the organizations we're running around, I think AJ McKee is a top top of the line featherweight prospect or contender in, in all organizations. I feel like you can put him in the UFC, he's top five, top three. Yeah. You put him yep. in KSW, he's up there. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just that dude yep. that is that talented. And here's another thing. He fights just as flawlessly as Pitbull. That is what makes this matchup intriguing is that he mm. is just as talented. He just doesn't have the time on that Pitbull has. You know what I mean? Like Pitbull has the fight IQ, the experience, that he's gelled with his team. His, he's he's yeah. there, baby. AJ, he's kind of too new to me, even though he's a surging prospect and he fights perf, perf, he fights perfectly, just like Pitbull. Mm. But I'm trusting Pitbull's veteran experience and the time on he's put to become this machine to beat AJ McKee. And but after he beats AJ. AJ is going to turn into something we've never seen before, and he's gonna, he's the type of dude I think he's gonna have one loss and come back like fucking, like no other. You know, so I think Bellator has something brilliant here, win or lose. 100%. You know, just sticking with Bellator, just before we segue into UFC Vittori versus Holland. Um, I put it out, I put the bat signal out earlier and asked people whether they had any comments, any thoughts, any um, ideas that they wanted to share with us on the show. And uh, sure as eggs is eggs, yep, a few people chimed in. The first one, which t- um, I-, I think speaks to something which I was hoping to speak to anyway, which was Natraj. Natraj um, underscore Cav says... Bellator realizing Mike Goldberg is not someone who should be commentating cage side is the biggest no-brainer from them after Facts. acting brain dead when it came to signing Shields. Also, Pitbull will run through AJ McKee. And he's kind of like, you know, ag- agreeing with us here. What I didn't like about the whole um, announcement about Mike Goldberg not being on the broadcast team, they waited until like, kind of the 11th hour like literally hours before broadcast to let everybody know look Mike Goldberg is no longer on the team he's as free as a bird he's a free agent I just thought that kind of like sucked because I like Mike Goldberg's commentary I know he's not everybody's cup of tea I know a lot of people say he drops the ball a lot but for me I just think of the iconic words that he brings the iconic phrases he brings and it's it, it makes sporting events whether he's doing commentary on UFC or whether he's doing commentary on Bellator, all that more memorable. So I just thought, you know, give him his flowers, give him his respect. Say a few words about the man that he brought that color to the commentary and uh, nothing. It was kind of like flat the way that, you know, Coco kind of announced that, mm, sorry, he's uh, he's not, not on the team. What uh. do you think? I think I need to reel you in. I think what you're doing, (laughs) I ain't even going to lie. I think what you're doing is holding on to iconic moments in the UFC because that's why I like Goldie, but we need to come to terms with the fact that he's only really good at that time in the UFC Mm -hmm. and also sitting Mm -hmm. next to Joe Rogan. um, MMA has um, evolved and it's getting a bit more... um, What's the word? Complicated. It's getting a bit more complex. These kids are coming out well-rounded, yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah. it, for him to cover, like, a, um, a Chuck Liddell is easier for him. But now you got, like, these prospects coming out here fighting like fucking ninjas. We don't need Mike, man. He was only good for a certain period of time next to someone, which <laughs> is that someone is Joe Rogan. And we like the iconic, you know, virtually identical. But it don't work in 2021, yeah. Mike. I was listening to him on a Bellator broadcast before he got the axe, and I was like, man, he sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just came wow. to the, yeah, I came to the terms, like, I only really enjoyed this when he was back in the day. This is some nostalgic, yeah. love this commentator, back in the day, but not in 2021. And to be honest with you, he's not Showtime material. Last night, Showtime did a wonderful job of cleaning up mm. Bellator. I mean, yep. even Big John, who I think is a horrible commentator, was on his best behavior. You know what I'm saying? And just like <laughs> the camera work, 
you know, the interviews with the fighters, the camera angles, just the walkouts. It just, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was watching mm -hmm. the dusty-ass Bellator that I was place. watching before Showtime. <laughs> In fact, I felt like I was watching Strike Force mm -hmm. again, and I'm excited to now watch a, a different organization when the UFC is not on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm really excited. And then they have these ground... You know, these, these pre's that we don't have in the UFC. There is no ducking fights now in the featherweight division. you got to fight these people based on a Grand Prix. I love it. You know, there's no questions here of rankings and who should fight who with these Grand Prix. I fucking love it, and now they cleaned it up. We don't need Mike. Leave him. Leave Goldberg behind. We moving forward. We'll yeah, 100%. Yeah, we'll I mean, Remind me if there are any glaring comments because you were tagged in on some of these on Twitter as well. But I'm going to run with Alexandra or Alexander Voigt. He's mm -hmm. at Confused Voigt. He says, does having one-sided beatdown similar to how boxing promotion build up fighters diminish Bellator's brand? Now, personally, I feel no. We sit here uh, from week to week talking about uh, one-sided matchups, one-sided beatdowns. The reason why we have these, especially on a debut on BBC iPlayer in the UK and Showtime in the US, they want the dazzle, they want the pizzazz, they want the KOs, they want the memorable fights to actually stick in people's minds so they come back. How you do that? You have one-sided beatdowns and matchups. Let's just call it what it is but unfortunately some of them did look as though a little bit hokey they did look as you say as though mma twitter had actually jettisoned one of the people that they hate into the cage it was like a burner account was like i'm going in there you know what i'm saying like i was like oh no yeah. no no like yeah. stick to mma twitter in my mentions do not fight like mm. oh my god it was but hard. what did you make what did you make of alexander's question um i I agree with both of you. I do I do see his concern with the, the lopsided beatdowns because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If Bellator makes it obvious that they are kind of putting these fights together to dazzle newer viewers, because that's what it is. Because when you have mismatches, what you get is that you get a very explosive or beautiful KOs or submissions because it's a mismatch, right? But the problem is, is that if you keep packing your prelims like this or you know, doing stuff like this, you're going to ruin the whole do everything in moderation and people are going to start to complain, believe it or not. You can't just yeah, force feed yeah. us these dazzling performances because you're creating mismatches. A purist like Void, myself and, and you are going to be like, what y'all doing? Enough. You know, it's like we do still want to see competitive matches. So if they don't do this in moderation, we're going to start to get to grumbling. So they, I like what Bellator is doing here by giving us some mismatches so that we're like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, cool it. Don't overdo it is what I'm saying. You know? Nah, 100%. Just one final one that I wanted to touch on, mm -hmm. only because we talked about it briefly back when we um, touched on the Maga Madoff. Um, Doc Ellery, and that's Ride With Doc, he says... How are we feeling about the new Magomedovs um, coming out here and front snap kicks and shit? <laughs> I loved it. I loved the Love fact it. that this guy was full of surprises. He wasn't coming with the typical Dagestani wrestling um, handcuffs and all. No, this guy's plowing his own lane and he's doing it in such a devastating fashion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm like I said before, Mike, I'm all fine with these hidden gems that Bellator seems to have uh, found us. Mm. And shout out to Bellator for this um, recruiting. They beat the UFC to these gems. I mean, Magomed is going to be a star. Usman is going to be a star. We ain't never seen no Dagestan yeah. fighter with hands like this. He is fucking technical. He does not fight mm. like Khabib on the feet. And we're, and then I'm telling you, put the lightweight division on notice because of Usman. He's going to be a problem. And we don't talk enough about Magomed. Um, that's another one. He's going to be a problem. Shout out to Bellator for scooping them up before the UFC did. And I'm telling listeners now, there's quite a few gems on this card y'all need to pay attention to. Don't just fall in love with Lara, y'all. <laughs> not mean? <laughs> Great card, great production. I, I couldn't I loved everything about this. Even the mismatches I had fun fun with. What do you oh, rate 100%. this, Mike? Give it a rating. The actual prelims, I would give that a four out of ten. 
the actual main card, I loved it. I, I really thought that every single one of these matchups had a story behind it, had something that was compelling, had something that was beguiling. I was really high on this. I gave it uh, an eight and a half out of 10. Yeah, I have to say, I, I, I'm taking your scores right from under you, I agree. I say eight and a half to 10, you know, eight and a half, maybe a nine for the main card. I loved it. And then the prelims, I, I would give it a bit more than what you did. I did have fun with the mismatches. Really? Yeah, I had fun with the mismatches. That's how, you know why? I think that's a business move. If you're going to have your yeah. first show on Showtime, you throw in some, mm. I think it's smart. On BBC. I think it's smart. D now, mm. if they keep doing this. And, and it becomes obvious that you're doing this. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to start yeah. talking shit. But your first card on Showtime, <laughs> you got to have like crazy shit happen on there. And it, I think it was very smart to have these beatdowns. I was entertained when the mullet man got beat up. So I never seen somebody get beat up like that so many times. So <laughs> although it was ridiculous looking and kind of obvious you did that to get like, you know, bonus points to see is something crazy. It worked. It caught my attention. Mm -hmm. I tweeted about mm -hmm. it. We all did. So it worked. True, true. Yeah. So, fast forwarding to this coming Saturday, UFC Fight Night Vittori versus Holland. Just want to have a quick canter through what you're looking forward to actually seeing. Now, uh, I'm going to kick things off because on the actual prelims, I must say, I love the fact that this is kicking off early as well. Five o'clock mm -hmm. UK time, British summertime. Things kick off with Imper nice. uh, Kasangane and Sasha. Mm -hmm. Palatinov. Now, that wasn't really going to be my go-to, but I just can't fail to mention it because I'm kind of really interested in what they do with and how oh, he fares awesome here. Fight. And that's Jack Shaw. Yeah. Jack Shaw versus Hanta Azur. I can't wait to see that. Jack Shaw is quite well regarded overall on, um, excuse the pun, these shores. Um, I, I want to see how he fares in his second fight, I believe, uh, in the UFC. How about you? What's what's floating your boat on the um, on the old prelims? Oh man! Now that you talk about it, this Impa versus Sasha, yes, very interesting. Yeah. It, it, these are, you know, Sasha's fun and and Impa is too, and they kind of fight similarly. If you ask me, that should be cool. And thank you for bringing that yeah. to my attention. On the prelims, I kind of like. Um, let me see here. I, I love the featured prelim, Jim Miller versus Joe Selecki. And I'm picking Joe Selecki here. Joe Selecki looked really good last time I saw him fight. And I was impressed with his hands. And then on top of it, mm. he impressed me with his wrestling. Like he just, I don't know, Jim Miller might have a rough night or Jim Miller might pull that veteran, I know what I'm doing type of performance and, and beat Joe, who knows? But man, that's an intriguing matchup. Very intriguing. And I think of these prelims, bro, as I'm looking at them, I think they're going to be fun. William Knight is here. Yeah. You know he's a yeah. big old black man with big muscles that just puts the smack down on people. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Jordan Griffin is here. I don't know much about Louis Saldana, but I know Jordan Griffin puts on a show. You have every right to be excited about Jack Shore versus Hunter Azor. You know? I think I think I'm being really greedy here. I know we normally just talk about um, two Fuck that actually it, no. we've got our eye on, yeah. but I'm going for as well Mateus Gamrot versus Scott I, Holtzman. Mateus Gamrot was, was a stalwart yep. of um, KSW. He's someone who has had his controversies. He comes in with a story, but yep. he is good. He's yes. good. I remember he him. He is a loss to KSW and yeah. I'm really intrigued to how his journey continues in the UFC I can't wait to see him as well me too and I think Scott Holtzman is uh, he's a little hot cold hot cold and I don't think he's mm -hmm. developing in the way in which um, we thought he would. I thought he had some promise, yeah. but I've seen some uh, problems in his, you know, in his come up. So for him to yep. have to fight Gamrot at that point of his career should be very telling. This is back up against the wall for Scott Holzman, if you ask me. And this is going to be a hell of a challenge for him because Gamrot is pretty fucking well-rounded, bro. There's not too many holes in this game. But Mike... <laughs> <laughs> Let me jump to this main card that I think is fucking fire. Mm. Man, Mike Perry, Daniel Rodriguez. Somebody fitting to die. Hopefully it's Mike Perry, but somebody going now. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah. 100% um, with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Nina Ansaroff, Mackenzie Dern. Nina's got hands, y'all. Mackenzie does not. Should be very interesting. And I, But however, mm -hmm. I don't like that Mackenzie Dern striking is, is eh to me. 
But I like that, not that it's improved, but her confidence in it, in, in her striking has been improved. So don't, but the problem is, is that if Mackenzie tries to blitz Nina, Nina's going to hit her and counter her because she's a really good technical striker. But Nina has to mm. avoid the ground. That's the issue. And this is. I know I'm fast forwarding here. But go but ahead, Mike. Arnold Allen, Sadiq Yusuf. Yeah, Yusuf. go ahead. We haven't Speak seen on. Arnold Allen in a bit, and yeah. I can't wait. I mean, obviously, again, I'm biased because he's a Brit. I'm biased because we've not seen him in a while. I'm biased because I've followed him on the UK circuit. But, yeah. man, you know you're in for a treat when Arnold Allen is in. Are the you cage, really? And I can't wait to see him. Can, yes. can I? Are what you really? I watched his yes. fights over the weekend in preparation for this fight with Sadiq because I'll watch his fights on a loop, and then I'm going to watch Sadiq's and then compare them and then that's how I do my fight analysis for upcoming fights right mm. so I did mm. Arnold mm. and I realized that he's not a very exciting fighter like he would he, cool, yeah but he wins by decision a lot and as as far as the entertainment factor I think that's why we don't talk about him a lot because I find I watched his fights on a on a loop and was like wow I'm kind of bored like <laughs> he's not <laughs> wow Arnold Allen is not exciting and I hate to say that about him but meanwhile Sadiq Yosef got that power but I don't know who yeah. to pick yet because Sadiq and Arnold are dangerous for two very different reasons and I don't know who to pick yet I'm leaning towards Sadiq but Arnold Allen and his technical prowess can be a problem and that's why I'm going with Arnold Allen. You're right. Mm. He isn't the most exciting. He isn't no. the most flamboyant. But damn, is he technical. Damn, does he know how to get and he's smart. the job done. He, yeah. He's very, yeah, yeah, very, very smart. Yeah. His fight IQ is way up there. Right. Can't wait to Wait, see wait, that. let's jump down a bit. I just want to mm, make an mm. honorable mention. I have a fear Don't of... Don't say Sam Alvey. Yeah, I have a fear of his. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I discussed this on Twitter spaces. His smile and his yeah. shtick scares me. Like, he's the type of guy that if yeah. I saw him in public, I would lock the doors or I would hold my purse and cross the street with my children like my mother used to do. He's so creepy. He's so fucking creepy that I hope Julian Marquez mm. just puts the break. I just like hopes he puts his lights out. And I, I'm a huge fan of Julian Marquez, except when he has the mic, because once you give him the mic, all that Miley Cyrus crap and all that cringe shit kicks in. <laughs> but I think, Mar I think Julian's gonna get him because he's a come forward, well-rounded, nasty beast. And when his back is against the wall or if he yeah. feels like he's losing the fight, he pulls it out his ass. And he just, he just doesn't stop. And the, the same ferocity that he fights in the first round, he does it in the third round until he wins. And I hope he does that to Sam Alvey because I'm afraid of Sam Alvey. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like straight up afraid of him. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you there. It's, it sounds really unprofessional, but that whole smiling shit it it really me. does my brain in. It does me in. Yeah. And I do find it very creepy. It as doesn't well. fit. It doesn't like also fit with like a fighter's, you know, like the culture of a fighter too. So it's just like this weird stick in the middle of this doesn't even match what the fuck you do, bro. Like, <laughs> and I'm scared. Like, I want to lock the doors if you walk past my car with that smile on your face. But nonetheless, Mike, I need some help with the main event. I don't give a fuck about this main event. And I keep tweeting that I don't give a shit. What? I hate this matchup. Please help me get excited about this fight and go. Uh, let me get you in the mood then, because Kevin Holland, after saying and t doing um, basically things that have caught Dana White's ire. I mean, remember, this was the guy who was supposedly um, having mental health issues, but they're putting him in again. And um, for me, I like his shtick. I like the fact that he talks. I like that gimmick. And Marvin Vittori, having faced or having um, the, the prospect of facing Darren Till, now at short notice facing Kevin Holland, there is a story to be told here. You've got somebody who is looking for redemption in Kevin Holland, who has literally been told, look, you need to fix up. And that whole talking shtick, you need to lose that. And you've got Marvin Vittori, who I have to say has been on a roll of late and is looking mighty dangerous. I mean, what's not to like? How are you not excited about this? All right, well, allow me to be uh, Debbie, <laughs> Debbie Downer here and, and express my, mm. my, my thoughts. I don't think Kevin Holland and Marvin Vittori is going to be a competitive fight because if Kevin Holland could not keep Derek Brunson on the outside and um, as a wrestler, what? Who says he's going to do that to Marvin Vittori? And Marvin Vittori isn't yeah, going to lay okay. and prey on him. He's going to beat him up. Listen, Marvin has the stand-up to kind of keep the standing and also, like, 
I mean, he's Rafael Cadoro trained. He has to stand up to like throw hands with Kevin, even though Kevin's got the reach and, and, and a very elusive and, and dynamic and unpredictable offensive style when it comes yeah, to boxing. Yeah. I get it. But Marvin's smart enough to land on him and he hits hard enough. And then he's also well-rounded enough to mix it up and take him to the ground and drag him. And I think we're going to see a repeated performance of Kellen, Kev, Kellen, of Kevin doing a lot of talking, but not doing a lot of offensive stuff exactly i'm not like going Mm. and then i wanted it i want to see darren till fight again i am so sick of darren till having chess matches i want to see darren till have his breakout (laughs) performance as a middleweight so to see him not be able to fight marvin which i think would have been a really fun and competitive matchup because marvin has good stand-up but we all know darren till is the muay thai specialist here so it would have been a more competitive fight. I don't want to see Kevin Holland collect a check, talk shit, and lose. I don't. And I hate to be Debbie Downer, y'all. Y'all know I hate being like this, but I keep it real, you know? But, you know, who knows, well, Mike? Maybe the, the fight happens mm. and then I eat my words and I'm talking crow next week. So that's what I hope yeah. happens. No, seriously, yeah. I want them I to prove feeling, me wrong. Go ahead. Yeah, i got a feeling that will be the case. And I'm going to get your plate so. nice and ready and probably get some... Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll probably get the silverware out as well because yeah. I really do feel, you know, Kevin Holland, to a certain extent, his back is up against the wall. Not only does he have to prove the doubters um, that aren't convinced by his shtick that he's going to stick with it, but also he's got his boss, his own boss, saying to him, look, you've got mental health issues and you need to work through those. You actually had a mental breakdown in your last fight. But for me, I know that obviously this isn't the fight that we wanted to see, but as a late replacement i like it actually no i love it yeah no you sound like my followers like i've been tweeting about my (laughs) dis you know my disdain for this matchup and a lot of them are like nah it's okay well some of them are delusional i had somebody in the spaces like nah kevin holland's gonna keep him on the outside and and beat him up and i was just like if he could not do that to Derek brunson he can't do that to marvin next um (laughs) <laughs> but when I get down on matchups like this or I get pessimistic, uh, I'm I'm not the type of person that wants this, though. I'm the type of person that's like, I want them to prove me wrong so that I can get on, you know, Twitter and this show and eat the crow and make fun of myself and be like, wow, they put on a great show. <laughs> so I'm not the, you know, even though I'm being pessimistic, it's not, I don't want to project it and I don't want it to happen. And I never want that Mm. to happen when I feel negative about a matchup or a fighter. I actually want the other outcome. So I'm praying that next week on this show, y'all, that I'm over here like, man, what a great fight, you know? So we yeah. And I'm not going to miss it. I'm not the type that's like, I don't like this, so I'm not watching. Hell motherfucking (laughs) nah. (laughs) And also, Mike, I'd like to just give a shout out to Icon 6. I actually uh, stepped out of my own comfort zone and watched like some like you know some some it's not regional it was a professional organization but it was down in mexico and it had like a Mm nitty-gritty feel to it it was kind of dope and i watched brock weaver win his fight in a very unentertaining fashion and then beg for his job back in a way that made me feel so sorry for him they mike they gave him the mic and all he did was talk to dana white on somebody else's organization as if this organization wasn't shit and just begging for his job back (laughs) i was so embarrassed and then on top of it it was another like it was a good performance but against a regional like a guy that Mm. was like you're supposed to beat him brock and then on top of it you ain't knock him out no it was put it this way it was the main event but it was my least favorite fight of the whole um icon six because everybody else got smoked beat up and had fun fights and then brock gets up there drowns the guy with his wrestling and has a really smart performance and then the only interesting thing about the fight was his post-fight speech which was really pathetic and sad to dana white (laughs) he ain't getting his job back then oh shit mike i hung up on you so um call me back My bad, Mike. I hung up on you. So, um, <laughs> you you finish. Go back to he ain't getting a. So go from there. Okay. Nah, he ain't getting his job back. I mean, no. think about it. Having to beg for your job would have to be 
his go-to after performance like that. I mean, from what you just said there, he put on a really stinky performance. I mean, it it, it actually, it was a good performance because he won, and it was a dominant performance. <laughs> but the problem with the performance is that it was the fight of, it wasn't the fight of the night. It wasn't interesting. He didn't land any yeah. significant shots that had me like, oh, he's wobbled. There was no, it was yeah, just a yeah, clear yeah. cut, drag him to the ground, beat him up, drag him to the ground. It was one of those. But meanwhile, mm. everyone else that fought before him on that card had a knockout. I saw some guy that was two and oh that put someone to sleep you understand wow. like he was two mm. and oh you know uh, and he put someone to sleep like nobody's business but meanwhile brock got up there and just dragged someone three rounds to to to, to the end and then this someone is not even like the best dude like you it's one of those when you get a fastball down the middle brock knock the motherfucker out and then get on the mic and want your job back but instead brock went on and on like don't forget about me dana he actually said that don't forget about me and then he told the crowd two more wins and i'll be back and i'm like after the performance i saw you better get to knocking people out brock if you want two more wins and back in the ufc and he's not a fan favorite exactly yeah, wow. fans don't like, like him. Were, <laughs> sounds like you were scraping the bottom of the barrel to find some yeah. fights. Speaking of barrels, though, we'll be back midweek with Shots Fired with our man Chisanga and our other yes. man's Kairos. We'll be giving nice, you both nice, barrels. Nice. See y'all midweek. And thank you, y'all, for listening to our show and showing support. And always, we welcome you leaving a feedback either in my DMs or on the actual Apple Tunes, whatever, whatever. So we'll take all the feedback we can get. <laughs>